Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We just thank you for the opportunity to be able to get into your word this morning. I thank you for the promise of your word that you said it will not return void, that it will go forth and accomplish all that you desire for it to accomplish in each and every life. I pray, Holy Spirit, for your presence right now. We know that you're here. We know that you're here. We just thank you for your presence. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears, prepare the soil of our hearts for the seed that is going to be sown. And we just pray, God, that you'd move in these moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody together said, amen. Well, today what I want to do is I want to put a caboose on this current sermon series that we're looking at, the purpose of the church. This is the final week of the purpose of the church. And I want to let you know where we've been in this series. So let's just take a quick look. At the beginning, we looked at um, the purpose of the church is to minister to believers. That's why we're here, to minister to each and every believer. We're here to help every believer to grow up. And our ultimate goal is for every one of us, every one of us, to become more like My goal is that by this time next year, by this time next year, your life will look different. This time next year, your life, you'll look more like Jesus. And how many people know that's a great recipe for a better marriage, for a better family, for a better employee, a better boss? If we leave this place and we become more like Jesus, people are going to see him, not us, but see him. And that's why we're here to minister to believers. We're also here to minister to the world. Our goal is not to stay in these holy huddles on Sunday morning, but our goal is we are to go out throughout the week and we're to minister to the people that God has placed in our relationship world, okay? And that's two-pronged. First of all, we're called to evangelism. And evangelism isn't supposed to be a scary word. Evangelism is simply what we're doing is we're going to share the gospel with people who have not heard the gospel. And that's not just people overseas in some remote tribe and village. There's people in your life that you run across every day that never heard an accurate picture, an accurate presentation of the gospel. And my prayer is that will be you and I, that we can touch other people. A second problem, the ministry to the world, is that we're called to mercy. That when we see people in need, we just don't turn our head away and say, well, good luck, hope everything works out for you. But the church is called to minister to people who are hurting and in need. So with that being said, I want to thank you that every time you give to Journey Church, 10% of what you give leaves this building so that we can minister to people in need. Just this last week, we were able to send a nice check to Convoy of Hope, and Convoy of Hope is now in Hawaii, in Maui, even this morning, helping people that were part of that tragic fire that took place in that city. And because of people like you, churches like us all over America, Convoy of Hope is helping people meet their physical needs. And I think that's so cool how we can work together. Amen? Isn't that cool? Let's give God glory for that. Amen. And the last one here is we're here, we're called, the church is to minister to God. And when we gather each week, remember what we said last week, it's so important that we remember it not just for one week, but for every time we come together, we gather not for what we can get from God. I guarantee you, God, we'll get some amazing things from God. But could it be our primary purpose when we gather together is for what we can give to God? Did we come today 
with this attitude that, God, I'm here to give to you. And one of the primary ways that we can give to God, everybody say this word together, everybody's nice and loud, say it together, worship. That's God's love language. That's what God desires. He desires our obedience. He also desires our worship, okay? So last week, what we did is we focused on these three questions. What is worship? We're not going to go through that again today. We don't have the time. We looked at why worship God. By the way, a verse came to my mind this week as I was looking at that question again. Why worship God? James says every good and perfect gift comes from where? Everybody together. From God. Every good and perfect thing in your life was given to you by God. What an amazing reason to worship God because he has been so good to me. How many people can say God has been so good to me? How many people believe that now? That God has been so good. I love David in the Psalms. He says it this way. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I look over my life of 59 years and I think, wow, God, I never thought it could be this good. Why? Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Because who he is. We worship him. And then we talked about last Sunday, how do we worship God corporately? Because our lives are worship. Does everybody understand that? We live a life of worship, everything we do. But when it comes to this corporate gathering, what does worship look like? And um, last week we discovered that when we come and we worship, it, it looks like this. It looks like one thing. It looks like singing. We sing. That's a way that we worship God. This is never a concert. Do we all understand that? This isn't concert hour by whoever's leading worship. This is about we're here to sing and we're here to worship God. And another way that we worship God on Sunday mornings is God is big into the uses of our hands. Everybody look at your hands. That is a great way to worship God on Sunday morning. What do we do? We can do two things. We can clap our hands. Scripture talks a lot about worshiping God through the clapping of hands. Scripture also talks about a way that we can worship God. And it's not just Pentecostal churches. It's around the world that we raise our hands. We raise our hands, these hands that God has given us, as a sign of his worship to us. So we can sing together, we can clap together, we can raise our hands together. Those are all ways that when we come together in this place, corporately or any church you're at on a given week, we worship God those ways. So what I want to do today as we conclude this series, and I'm super excited about this message, we're going to talk about the power of worship. The power of worship. And here's my approach. I'm going to share with you one Old Testament story about the power of worship. Then we're going to jump ahead a couple thousand years later to a New Testament story about the power of worship. So is everyone ready? Say, you betcha. About half of you. The rest, well, let's just get this thing going. So what I want to do first is I want to turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. You don't need to get, you don't need to try to find it. I'll relieve you of that stress of trying to find 2 Chronicles, but I guarantee you it's right there in your Bible. It's in the, about the first third of the Bible. 2 Chronicles is our text for the day, and um, we're going to look specifically today, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, okay? And in this chapter, we're introduced to a man whose name is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Aren't you glad we changed our names over the years? Jehoshaphat is this man's name. And um, who is Jehoshaphat? In the history of Israel and Judah, he's the fourth king of Judah, and you can read the whole account of his reign if you pick it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 
all the way through chapter 22 is the story of the reign of this guy named King Jehoshaphat, okay? So if you want extra credit points, you can read those chapters this week, get back to me, and we'll give you a super prize, okay? Only kidding. Okay. So let's go to chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, if not, all the verses are on the screen. And to kick things off in chapter 20, we see that, that this um, group of nations, nations, this alliance of nations, declared war against Judah, against King Jehoshaphat. So all these nations came together and they said, we're going to attack Judah, where Jehoshaphat was the king. And um, what would you think his response would be? Verse 3, we see the response of Jehoshaphat. It says, Jehoshaphat was, everybody together, Jehoshaphat was terrified. Come on, say it like he really was. Jehoshaphat was, yes, he was, by the news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah, he ordered that they would begin to fast. Begin to fast. So I love it. His first response weren't, wasn't, hey, we're going to call other nations that will take our side and help us against the enemy. His first response is we're going to turn to God. And I want everybody that's in this nation, all ages, we're all going to fast together and see what God does. I love his leadership. And as a result of the people seeking God, God gives a message to this guy named Jehazel. And it's a message for the people that God wants the people to hear. And it's right there in verse 15. This is the message that God gave through this special guy. He says, this is what the Lord says. I love this. This is so good. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. How many people know that 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 command is given 365 times throughout the Bible? Could it be because we need to hear it every day? Every day. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by the mighty army. For the battle is not yours. I love this. The battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Somebody needs to hear that today. You're going through a battle. I want to encourage you, the battle is not yours, it's God. Amen? But the key is we need to surrender to him. Verse 17 says, you will not even need to fight. Wow, that's cool. You're not even going to have to raise a hand. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Not your victory, watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. And I love the rest of this verse. Believe me, it's up there somewhere. He says this, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and fight against them tomorrow, for this is the Lord's will for you. So what a great verse. You're not even going to have to write, you're not even going to have to lift a finger. You're not even going to have to fight. It's not going to be up to you. Here's the word. The Lord is going to be with you. So now the king has heard those words and he's the leader. What do you think his response is going to be towards this message that God gave to this man? Let's look at it in verse, the next verse. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness on the way Jehoshaphat, the king, stopped and he said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Everybody say that first word together. Believe. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Say it again. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. 
May I stop here and just pause and say a big key to victory in our life as a Christian really comes down to this one word. Will we believe? Will we believe that God is able to do all things? Do you believe that with God all things are possible in your life? We need to believe, okay? Verse 21, or 21, yes, it says, after consulting the people, look at what the king does. It's totally out of the box. After consulting the people, the king appointed, everybody say this word together, kind of blew my mind. The king appointed what? Singers, really? I thought he would have went after Johnny Rambo or after a Navy SEAL or the Army Rangers. Hey, you guys go out in front. You guys take care of business. No, it says the king appointed singers and the singers were going to walk ahead of the army. How many people know that's, that's not usually how things are done? He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. And here's what they did, singing to the Lord. And they were praising him for his holy splendor. Next verse says, this is what they sang. Here was their chorus. They sang this song, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So they're in the heat of the battle. Send the singers. You're going to sing this song. Give thanks to the Lord. We add the line, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Check out what happens as a result of their worship. At that very moment, at that very moment that they began to sing, and when they began to give praise, look what the Lord did. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. As a result of worship, what God did is he confused, he supernaturally confused the armies. The next verse, verse 23, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. Verse 24, So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, check this out, all they said, all they saw were dead bodies. They didn't raise a hand. They didn't raise a weapon. But they began to worship. They began to sing. And all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. How many people know that's pretty cool of God? Amen? How many people know God can do all things? God can do all things. So what I want us to see in this story, gang, I want you to see this, and that is that worship is the vehicle, was the vehicle that God used to defeat the armies that had came against Judah and Jehoshaphat. Worship was the, the vehicle that God used to defeat the enemies that went against the king, went against Judah. So what I want to do now is, if you have your Bible, you can go there, but you don't need to. The verses are on the screen. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And in this chapter, we're introduced to two men. And these two men's names were Paul and anybody else know? Paul? Yeah, Paul and Silas. Okay. And in verse 16 and 17, we read that they were on their way to a prayer meeting, which was very customary to um, Jewish people back then. They would pray three times a day. So these guys were doing what they usually did, and they were on their way to a prayer meeting. I want us to get that, okay? And as they're heading to a prayer meeting, 
they encounter a girl that the scriptures, this is the way the scriptures define this young lady. They define her as, as a slave girl, and this girl was possessed by an evil spirit. Okay? Possessed by an evil spirit. And this spirit enabled this girl to tell the future. So as a result, what people would do is they found out this girl can tell you your future. And it was all demonic-led, okay? And people would line up. Because for some reason, people want to know their future. And people would pay big money to hear what this girl would have to say about their future. And she did such a great job of doing this that she made her master some big, big money. They were the ones that benefited because everybody would pay and they would receive the payment. This was their career, okay? But all, as we read this story, all this changes because Paul, what Paul does is he comes and this girl begins to aggravate him. You can read it in the text. And what he does is he, begin, he casts the demon out of this girl. And he casts the demon out of this girl in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say Jesus together? Jesus. How many people know that Jesus has all power and all authority? Jesus himself says, all power and authority was given to me by who? By the Father. So um, who we taught, Paul sees this and he casts out the demon. And what happened is this cost her masters some big money. It destroyed their business. And they didn't take it laying down. They got very upset, as you would, we would. And they were not happy. And what they did, the story tells us in Acts chapter 16, that they grabbed and they dragged Paul and Silas before the authorities. Okay? And they were ordered, who were ordered to strip, and they beat Paul and Silas. And the scripture says, with a wooden rod, they beat them pretty bad. It wasn't a good situation. Adversity. And not only that, after they were beaten, they were ordered to go where? To prison. Okay? Then on top of that, the, j- the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So what he did is he put them into what is called the inner dungeon, the innermost part of the prison, and he clamped their feet into stocks. So here's my question to you this morning. How do you think Paul and Silas responded? More specifically, how do you think, how would you have responded? Come on, man, I was on my way to a prayer meeting. I did this girl a huge favor. She was demonically, she was filled with a demon. And we cast that demon out. Is this the reward that we get? God, really? We're trying to do good things. And this is what we get in return? So how do you think Paul and Silas responded? Did they get bitter at God? Did they grumble? Did they complain? I think I made it, that would have been my response. I'm not quite like these guys. How about you? And let's look at their response in Acts chapter 16, verse 24. It says, let's get to the right book here. Verse 25 of Acts 16 says, around midnight, so it's in the darkness of the prison cell, Paul and Silas were praying. And everybody say this together, and what? And they were old school. They were singing hymns. They were singing hymns to God. And it says the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. And check out what happened. All the doors immediately flew open. 
and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Every door was open, every chain fell off. So what I want us to see once again, that worship was the vehicle that God used, in this case, to free the prisoners. So here's what I want us to see in this story. There are three similarities that I want us to see quickly in both of these stories. The first similarity is the main characters in each one of these stories were certainly facing challenges. We had a king that was up against multiple nations wanting to kill them. Then we see Paul and Silas beaten in prison, in chains. The future is not looking bright. So the first thing I want us to see that the characters in these stories, it wasn't your best life now. It was these guys were facing real life challenges, hard things, difficult things, things that they never saw and would happen in their future. Number two, the second similarity is that those people who face challenges, how did they respond? I want you to see this. this is super important. The challenges were real. The challenges were hard. But how did they respond? They responded to the Lord with what? Everybody said together. That was their response. We're going to worship. And then the third similarity in the story is this. When they worship God, guess what? God showed up. He showed up and he did some things that are supernatural, not natural. God showed up and did some incredible, incredible things. I want us to see that. Now I want us to look at three lessons as we wrap up this message this morning that I want to make sure every one of us hears this morning, myself included. Three lessons I want you to see. Number one, every one of us are going to face challenges in life. Is that true or false? If you're not in a challenge right now, don't worry, you'll get another opportunity. Aren't you glad you came to church? Just to tell you, there's going to be challenges. It could be a physical challenge that you face in your health. It may be a financial challenge. It could be a relational challenge, broken relationships, hardship. It could even be an emotional challenge. But I want to let you know, in this world, you're going to face challenges How do I know? Because Jesus told us. What are you talking about? Yeah, let's look at the verse, John 16, 33. Jesus speaking, not Mike, but Jesus. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He says, here on earth, everybody say these two words together, you will, so take heart, you will. Here on earth, you will have many, wow, this is great news, you will have many trials, and you're going to have many sorrows. That's just a part of life. We live in a fallen world. This is not our home. How many people know heaven's our home? This is not perfection. Heaven will be. Has everybody got that? People come to me a lot of times and they'll say, this is what happened. And we seem surprised at times that these things are going to happen. Doesn't make it any easier. We're not trying to downplay your hurts, my hurts, our hurts. But these are real things. We're going to face challenges. The second thing in our lessons to learn is this. When your season of challenge comes, you're going to have a choice to make. You're going to have a choice to make, okay? And the choice you're going to have, the choice you're going to have to make is this. In your challenge, this is going to be so big. Listen up, everybody. This is so big. In your season of challenge, here's the big deal. How will you respond? 
How will you respond when the relationship's broken? How will you respond when the health report turns south? How will you respond when your finances are like, oh my goodness, how did we get here? How are you going to respond when you're having emotional issues and depression? How will you respond? These are big things. It's real. And that's what we're going to have to lean into. How will I respond? I think that's just as big as the challenge itself. Because if you don't respond the right way, you can even end in a dark, you can end up even in a darker place. How will you respond? Lessons to learn. Number three, I want to encourage you today. When we choose to worship God, even in the difficult seasons, God shows up. And it may not always look the way you, well, this miracle happened to them. What will it look like? Sometimes he's just going to show up and give you the grace. Sometimes he knows that he's going to show up and give comfort. Sometimes he's going to show up and just give you strength. But I really believe in my heart that if we choose in those times of difficulty, and they are real, every one of us, every family represented here has faced challenges. I believe if we'll choose to say, God, I'm going to respond to you first. I'm going to worship you. In some way or another, our God will show up. I believe that God, the vehicle he shows up in often is when we begin to worship. Amen? He's going to show up, and he's going to do things that you can't, but he can. We saw that in Jehoshaphat, the people of Judah. We saw that in Paul and Silas in a prison. In closing, I want to share my story. And I want to let you know right off the bat in sharing my story, this isn't my normal response, but it was the one time that it was. And that is that last year, in 2022, I had a, um, a hernia repair, a hernia surgery. They send you home. Everything was going fantastic. My body was responding very well. And then... This is the mistake I made, and I am pro-doctor. I want to let you know I love doctors. I'm thankful for them. But they gave you a pill to take, and I forget what the pill was, and they said, You're gonna, I want, we want you to take this about um, six hours after the surgery. And I took the pill they asked me to take, and my body did not respond well at all. Actually, I made a beeline to my bed, and I laid down, and I just felt awful. And not to make things dramatic, but I actually prayed, prayed this prayer, Lord, if you want to take, take me home, I'm ready to go now. Have you ever been there? I mean, just that sickness where it's like, I don't know if I can endure this sickness even another hour. It was like, oh my goodness, what has happened to my life? It's awful. So what happened is I had my cell phone. I don't have it with me this morning, but I pulled it out and um, I downloaded an um, a, um, album by um, River Valley Worship, just Throw that name out there real quick. And on that album, they have a song called Surely the Lord is in this place. So I turned that music on, and Heather came into the room. And I hope this doesn't make us sound super spiritual because really we're not. Everybody get this point, we're just like you. But on this night, it did happen this way that Heather nailed at the end of my bed, and we began to pray, and we began to sing this song. Can I read the lyrics to the song? It says, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. Yes, he is. Then listen to the bridge. The bridge says, in your presence, there is freedom now. In your presence, listen to this lyric, there is healing power. 
in your presence, joy is breaking out. In your presence, there's so much more. And um, please, I don't want to seem like dramatic, but I'm just going to tell you the way it was. We began to sing this song, and like I said, this doesn't happen often. We begin to worship the Lord. And I tell you what, it was just in a matter of moments of just singing, especially this line, in your presence, there's healing. And it was just like with a snap of the fingers, that, that, that sickness totally left my body. You can say amen if you want, but I was saying amen. <laughs> I was like, yay, God. It was like a 180-degree like turn. Some people would say, well, it's just coincidence. Well, you can say what you want, but I believe that was the power of worship. In the, if worship is often the vehicle that God uses to display his power. And I was very thankful that night that God came and he showed up and he brought healing to my body. So as we close tonight, or today in this series, I just want to let you know there's the good news is that you're going to face challenges. You are. They're going to come in different sizes of packages, with different bows on, different wrappings. They're going to come your way. But I just want to encourage you today, please listen carefully. How you choose to respond to the challenges is going to get. I want to let you know when you choose to worship in these difficult seasons, God's going to show up. And please listen to me carefully. His showing up is not always going to look the way you thought, the way you dreamed or thought it was going to look. Sometime it will. But like I said, sometime it's just going to be God just being there for you, just holding on to your heart and giving you the grace and giving you the comfort that you need, even in the midst of some serious and real stuff. Then he promised he'll never leave us or forsake. I want to encourage you in those seasons, let's turn and be people. God, we choose to focus on you. We choose to focus on your goodness, on your power, on your provision, on your grace, on what we need. And you know what we need even before we ask. You're wanting us to come and ask. So Lord, we just thank you for this day. We just ask, God, that you'd be with us today as we move into life and the challenges come. May we be able to anchor ourselves in you. That regardless of what comes our way, we have this hope as the anchor of our soul. And we just thank you and praise you. You know, in service planning, I had a thought of how this service would go, but it's not going the same way. And you can just sit back. Let's just wait right now in the presence. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just wait in the presence of the Lord. There are people here today going through difficulty. Right now, today, you brought difficulty with you. God is well aware. God is well aware of what you're going through right now. And he wants to be there with you. Could it be that he's saying to you, this is not your battle, it's my battle. I want to help you. But sometimes that means we've got to take our fingers off it. We've got to open it. And we just got to say, Lord, help me. Help me. So if you're facing something today right now, I just want you under your breath, just say, Lord, help me. Help me. Be there for me. Just open up your heart and receive from him today. And how many people know that worship does not need to be confined to a sanctuary, a building? you can worship God anywhere, anytime. In your car, in your bathroom. Lord, we are your people. We ask for your help. With every head bowed, nice close, is there anybody who would just say, you know what, I need it. I need you to include me in a prayer here at the end of the service that's asking for God's special provision for his help, his grace. Is there anyone here today you just sit would raise your hand? I'm not going to call you to come forward. Just you need some kind of help today. Father, we pray for those who raise their hand. Be with them. 
that they would encounter you in this season of life, that they would encounter your presence even now. And then when they leave here, your presence doesn't stay here and they leave, but your presence goes with them. Lord, we just thank you that we are your people called by your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, why don't we all stand to our feet? Any prayer today after the service, we'll have people up here on your right and my left that would love to pray with you. I see Dan and Veronica are coming. They would love to pray with you. Let prayer be our first response. Thank you for being here today at Journey Church. I'm glad you're here. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespass, those who trespass, lead us not into temptation. God bless you. Have a great day.